Amen, church. Amen. Good morning. All right. All right. Yes. Amen. There's um there's some Sundays when it's hard to preach. Because everybody got their stank face on. But but I think this is gonna be fun today. Amen. I just wanna I wanna thank you guys for it's it's August. It's a sunny day, and, and you're here with us this morning. Praise God. Praise God. I, I always get nervous I'm going to come talk to 16 people. And seven of them are my family. So, you know, that gets, just gets awkward. All right. Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you. We thank you that you're already here. We thank you that you're already speaking. We thank you that you're already ministering. You're already comforting and guiding and leading and healing and building. And, and, and we thank you, God. You're already moving and speaking, God. Father, help me to not get in the way of that, God. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's a... Here's a quote. Oh, it's going to get crazy here. All right. Here's the, here's the quote I'd like to start with today. The, <clears throat> the world celebrates and tells us we need to be powerful people. The gospel tells us that we're people filled with power. There's... There's, that's a different mindset. We're, we're, the world says we should be powerful people. The word says we're people filled with power. That's, that, it, the sad thing is that we, 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 we don't realize it. We don't utilize it as much. We don't walk in it as much. Amen? Can, can I get open with you today? That's why we need to hear the gospel again and again and again and again, because all day long, all week long, listen to me, tell me this is true, the world is preaching a different message. That's why Sunday's not enough. You, you can't be a one Sunday a month person or just a Sunday. You got to, the, the world nonstop preaching to you. A different message. It's telling us that we need to get ahead, that we need to do more so that we can have more, so that we can have more money, so that we can be happier, so that we can buy more stuff, so that we can get ahead, so that we can make more money, so that we can be powerful, so that we can have more money, so that we can buy more stuff, so that we can be happier, so we can get more stuff, so that we can have more money, so that we can be happier. And every commercial, every ad campaign is designed, it's a mini message preaching to you to make you feel like you need something else to be powerful and to be in control. Amen? And if you look past the smoke and mirrors, if you look past the Photoshop bodies, if you remove the filters and you see the real... We can see very easily that the powerful, those that have everything the world has to offer, are still drug addicted. They're still taking medications for depression. They still can't be faithful in marriage. Even the ones with the most money are still cheating and stealing to make more. 
And at the end of the day, the powerful are still destroying their lives and even taking their lives. Am I talking truth? Okay, so in this house, when you talk truth, you say amen. Amen. All right. And that's why we have to come together regularly to hear the gospel, the message of God's forgiveness and God's restoration and God's gift and God's grace and God's plans and God's provision. I don't know about you, but I need to hear it more often than some maybe. I need to hear that he's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, Ephesians 3. That he's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him that in love he predestined us for adoption as sons according to the purpose of his will verse 6 to the to this praise of his glorious grace with which he's blessed us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood we have forgiveness for our sins and our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will you know that when we're christians we he gives us insight and ins- to know the mystery of his will In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. So even when I don't feel powerful, I'm power-filled. Come on. I need to be reminded that there was nothing that I did to earn it, Ephesians 2. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that nobody can boast. See, religion says you have to be good so God can love you. The word of God says God loved us before we were good. And then gives us everything we need to walk good and to be good and to to live good. Amen? I don't know about you, but when I hear all that, I I start to remember and reflect on the fact that I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So when I'm reminded that I'm power-filled and I'm purpose-driven, then nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. I'm going to change that song for you. <laughs> yeah, you didn't expect that coming. <laughs> I've been doing a series. We've been going through the book of Ephesians together, but because I couldn't get it finished in time before August, I'm going to wait till we're all together again in September to recap and then complete the book. With, with so many people away, I, I, I just want to wait on that and do it a little later. Amen? Sometimes we just need to rest in and practice what we already have. Sometimes I feel like we rush through a book of the Bible, and if you miss two or three, nobody's catching them up, and, and, and we miss it. I want to, let's rest in what we already have, amen? So let's reflect for the summer, let's rest in what we already know. And just so you know, when it comes to church, pastors hate the summer. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because as soon as the good weather hits, people lose their flipping minds. So many of us, we get on vacation mode and summer mode and we forget Christ mode. And then, and then, come on, that was an amen. And then normally, normally week after, then, you know, there's the family vacations and the trips and those are good things, man. And there's beach days and those are good things too. But pastors hate it because we don't know if people are on vacation or if they're backsliding. We don't know. We don't know if they're on vacation or if they fell off. and they, Or we don't know if they even just went to another church. We find out in September, we're waiting for everybody to come back. and we find, No, sister, sister, but she's been going to uh, up the block. To, really? She just up and broke out? So we don't know. So unless your church is like 20, 25 people, then there's no way of knowing where everyone is at and, and, so, and how they're doing. And so July and August are tough church months for pastors. It's tough all around also because people forget that like your bills don't stop when you're on vacation, neither do ours. And so we end up trying to do a lot with a lot less. You don't have to say amen, just say ouch. Now don't get me wrong, I love vacations. Can we say amen for vacations? As Ephraim was telling you guys last week, a lot of us on the team, we go on vacations together, man. We, take the, uh, we can't take the entire leadership team because then we'd have to close down on Sunday. But I'd love to. Okay, we got to make sure she's on the next one. We got to book that. We've gone on trips where there's 23 of us on a boat. 18 of us on some adventure. This past month, there were four couples, three teenagers. So there was 11 of us on a flight to Mexico. We were all seated seated toward the back, so we knew the back half of that plane was safe. Because God has two. It was crash-proof. If that plane went down, the front, I don't know, but the back, you were going to see it on the news. That back half would be in one piece right on the water just chilling. And you see us all just coming out. Because we got too much to do for an enemy to be t- trying to take us out on a plane. So we, as a matter of fact, here's some pictures for you of our vacation. That's, that's just how we roll. That's on a small day. Give me another one. See, wherever we go, we kind of take over. And we give me the, the other one, the lobby one. This is, this is how we roll. We take over an entire lobby, and then we have strangers taking pictures of us. And then like multiple, no, no, do another one. That's not, that's not good. Lady's like, no, no, take another. Can you take it from this angle? Can you bend down a little bit? Can you just take it like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, use this phone. You, and we have until we get it right. You know, that's just kind of how we do, right? And we make a good time of it, whether the weather's bad, whether the, the, it's crowded or how, but we make the best of it. You know why? Because we enjoy being together. We have this phrase that we use, doing life. We do life together. And the reason I'm telling you about all this is because that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about doing life, doing life together. Yeah, that's us. Watching the sunset on the infinity pool by the, by the beach. Isn't that cool? 
I want to talk to you about doing life together. Some, some of you might think, and, and some people like to talk, and they say, oh, yeah, that leadership crew, they're a clique. You know, they like to, they're exclusive. They only want to be, they don't let certain people. And listen, that's the farthest from the truth. If you know any of us, that's the farthest from the truth. As a matter of fact, so many of us, we weren't even friends when we, until we came to church. The only common bond that we had in the beginning was Christ. And, if, and if, 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 if you and I have the common bond as Christ is our common bond, then we can do life together. Amen? Because, because that means our, our, our plans, that we have common goals, we have common lifestyles, we have common desires, we have common purposes. And so if Christ is our common bond, we can do life together. Say amen. The only other bond that really brought us together as a team is commitment. Commitment, our love for God and our love for people. We were talking this past week, you know, sitting by the pool with some bev- cool beverages. We were talking about how, we, how when we met, some of these people were living in Brooklyn. Their jobs were in Brooklyn. Their, their homes, they were living in Brooklyn. When we started the church, my wife and I would do these marriage groups because we, we wanted more than anything else, we wanted to to, to, to have people learn how to enjoy God. We, we had known already too many miserable people in ministry. How many of you met miserable people in ministry? People are like, this is my job. Sit down. There's empty seats over there. And, and people that do ministry like that, it's, it's, we had known too many miserable people in ministry. And so we wanted our whole thing to be, we, we wanted people to enjoy God. We wanted people to, to, we wanted more than anything else to build healthy families. And so we would have these marriage groups, man. Anybody that came to church, we were real small. Anybody that came to church, well, you got to be in a marriage group. I'm not even married. We'll work on that. <laughs> and so we had engaged people. We had married. And, and, uh, and thank God some of those engaged people didn't get married. Amen? How many, how many you know, it's better to not be married than to be in a bad marriage. Married or wrong? All right, let's not go there. That's another message. But anyway, I, we, we would have these marriage groups with everybody. And so I remember this team is living in Brooklyn. We started, we started one in Brooklyn with this team. Now, understand, I'm from Manhattan. I grew up in Manhattan. I was married, living in the Bronx and then Westchester. So Brooklyn is like Kuwait for me. That's like another country. You know, people from the Bronx and Brooklyn, we don't. You, right? We don't. We don't. I'd rather go to Jersey than Brooklyn. If you're from Brooklyn, I'm sorry. I love you and you're welcome. There's a lot of ex-Brooklynites here. We have realty here that can help you find places in the Bronx so you can live and do life with her. Anyway, so I I remember telling this story. I went to the first home group in Brooklyn. And I got over there really early. My wife and I figured we'll grab a pizza. And so I naively walked into a pizzeria in God, God forbid in Brooklyn. And as soon as I walked into the pizzeria, the entire place stopped talking. Everyone stopped talking. I found out later on they thought I was an undercover cop. It was that kind of shop. I walked up to the glass, bulletproof thick, thicker than Chase Bank. And I slid a couple dollars under. I didn't know where the pizza was going to come from. This is Brooklyn. And, and I got my slice. The whole time, nobody's talking. Everybody was like this. 
I got my slice. I went to the car. I said, honey, we got to go. Let's never do this again. Let's never buy pizza here. Anyway, shortly after that group, I remember these people, these Brooklynites started moving to the Bronx. And that scared me more than the pizza shop in Brooklyn. Because I would say, honey, they, why are they moving here? What if this church fails? This is a brand new church. What if, what if they don't like us next week? Like, and then they move to the Bronx. They're going to really hate us. And we were, I was really nervous. You could ask my wife, why are these people? What if, but you know, what, what if they end up not liking us? What, what if this thing? And then, but you know what? Here we are 13 years later. Amen. Amen. Doing life. There's been ups and downs, but the focus is still enjoying God, serving people, building healthy families. Amen? And you know what builds teams like that? It's because a lot of times we're the first ones here and the last ones to leave. And so we're the ones that we have to put all the chairs apart and we got to bring all the chairs back together. So hours after, and you can look at our kids, you see the sad faces on them, it's because they were here building chairs while hours after an event, when everybody's home already, the church is gone, we're here, this team, putting all the chairs back and putting all, and mopping the floors and sweeping the floors hours later. So you know what? That creates bonds. Amen? That's what we love about VBS. When, when that entire team that's been here setting up in 90-degree in weather outside in the middle of the summer with 100 kids, and they're setting up and tearing down and working and chasing kids and, and teaching and then cleaning up and then getting the church back in order for Sunday. By the end of VBS, that team is family. Amen? Amen? We're ready for vacations by the end of that team. We're doing life together. And it's funny that people that like to talk about, you know, cliques and special... As a matter of fact, give them another vacation pick. Give them another one. Just show them another one. People that like to talk about us when we're, we're doing vac... Oh, look at Pastor. What? That's a cool hat. It's my Cuban hat. Anyway. That hat stays on the wall in my dressing room whenever I, I only put it on vacation time. Whenever I put that on, I go vacation mode. All right. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but... People that always like to talk about kind of clicks and say, they don't say that when they see the click here, cleaning and designing and building and fixing. And they don't say that. That's not a click. All of a sudden, that's ministry, right? But uh, God forbid we're trying to have a little fun later, then now, you know, it's, it's a problem. What I want you to see is that doing life together is actually the call of the church. Jesus told his followers in John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. If we've gotten anything from going through the book of Ephesians and so many of Paul's letters to the church, listen, let's just see it in here. Paul says in Ephesians 4, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called with all humility and gentleness and patience Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Most of what people see in church is people eager to complain. Eager to pick something apart. Eager to say this is no good and that's no good and I don't like her attitude. I don't like her face. I don't like what he's wearing and this guy has a hat and this guy has tattoos. 
The word says we should be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, say, doing life. Verse 4, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. One God who's over all, in all, and through all. Say, doing life. 1 Corinthians 12, look what Paul says. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he would have them to be. As it is, there are many parts, but one body, so that there should be no division, say no division, in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one is a part of it. Wow. Romans 12, it's like he told every church that he ever planted, he told them the same thing. Romans 12, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Each member belongs to all the others, and we've been giving blessing and gifts, and a blessing to be a gift to one another, say doing life. See, church, true spirituality is worked out in community. That's why Paul's picture of the body is like the best illustration for the church. One body. Listen, we've all been made different. We've been given different gifts and different abilities and different calling because we've been designed to work together. You don't seem that excited. See, the heart and the idea of church has changed since the beginning of the church. I, I, we definitely have seen that. The church, the, the word church that we translate church is, is the Greek word ekklesia. Ekklesia means a called out assembly. So the church was never a building. It was a called out people. A people that do life together. Amen. The book of Acts church that we read about in the scriptures, they started doing life together after one sermon. I'm hoping that happens today. After one sermon, they started doing life together, seeing things totally different. Let's check that out for, remember, for, for a minute. You, you, you remember the scenario. Jesus was raised from the dead. The gospels, right? Book of Acts. He presented himself alive to 40 for 40 days, sharing and speaking about the kingdom. See, God knew that if he only showed himself up to just the, his followers, then in a month, this thing would have died out. Instead, he walked and talked and preached and shared for 40 days because he wanted people to see him. He wanted people to have that proof. When these scriptures were written later on, they were still written in a time frame where people were alive during that, that would happen so that 
when this was written, people could have said, that's not true, bro. Me and my my uncle and my grandmother, we lived during that time. That's not true. There was never a grave. There was never a crucifix. People could have, but they didn't. And that's why today, 2,000 years later, we're still preaching Christ. That's why we can still believe. That's why we still have it. Amen? Okay, so so Jesus tells them, don't leave Jerusalem now. I'm going to leave. He says, I'm going. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise. He says, wait for the promise. Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost came, and they were gathered in one place, in one accord of one mind, and that's the start of the church. Whenever we gather in one place, in one accord, with one mind, church gets started, amen? And so when men are gathered in one place, his promises come to pass. That's, that's a picture that we see. Whenever men are gathered together in one place, God's promises come to pass. And so when so, so you know the story. The promise was fulfilled. They were sealed with the Holy Spirit. They didn't become powerful people, but they became people filled with power. And the word says that they poured out into the streets. And, and these were people, there were people gathered there for the, for the festivals, for the feasts from every nation. And yet they were hearing the disciples talking and praying and preaching in their own languages. And so these were unstudied men. These weren't, these weren't, you know, very educated men that could speak in multiple languages. These guys knew fishermen. They just, you know, they talked like you would imagine fishermen of that time. I, I would imagine maybe some colorful language. They were fishermen. But here they're talking and they're praying and they're speaking and people are hearing them in their perfect languages. Can you imagine? If I just started speaking French, and, or if I just started speaking in these tongues, and everyone here heard me in their own languages, like strange dialects from whatever country you came from, amen? That's power-filled, amen? They heard one message, and now look what happened. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It said, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I love when you hear a message and you ask, well, what shall we do? That's when it's a good message. You should always ask, well, what should I do? And Peter said to them, very simple, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. And so those who received this word were baptized and they were added to that day 3,000 souls. First sermon preached after the promise, and the church grew to 3,000. What did the first church do? This is what's the important part. They devoted themselves, verse 42, to the teaching, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Wow. That's doing life 
they all came together and they said, wait a minute, you, those shoes, those shoes you rocking have a hole. I got three pairs of shoes. What size are you? I'm a nine. All right, who's a nine? You got extra shoes? Come on. Right? And they, they shared and they all, and everybody had because they were one, they were doing life. Say amen. 46, and it says, and day by day, <coughs> attending the temple together, day by day, attempting, uh, attending the temple together and breaking bread, where? In their homes. So it wasn't just a church thing. It wasn't a temple thing. It wasn't just a building thing. Day by day, they were attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Church, that's the call. That's how you build a healthy church. It's not building campaigns. It's not evangelism campaigns. It's not dragging people on the street and throwing them into a building. It's doing life with people. That's kingdom living. That's, that's doing life together. And that's what Ephesians is making clear here to the church and to us. And that's where I want to rest for the summer. I want us to do life with people. Let's go to each other's barbecues. Let's invite people over. Let's eat together. Let's laugh together. Let's have a good time. Amen? You know that it's okay to laugh and have a good time? You think when I go away with the team on vacation, we just sit around the pool and pray? Like weird people? I can show you a video. We, one day we did slow-mo videos jumping into the pool for like three hours. Anything holy in that? Yeah, we're doing life together. We're having fun. They devoted themselves to teaching and to the fellowship of the body. Amen? So if you haven't invited anybody over lately, this is the time. This is the good weather. Oh, but my furniture, but my house, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Stop. Stop that. Because that'll stop you from having friends. That'll stop you from developing relationships. Oh, maybe when I get new furniture. Oh, maybe when I get, no, nobody cares. We'll, let, we'll, we'll sit on the floor. We'll sit on a beanbag. We'll bring a folding chair. That's true. Man, do life together. It's not about just coming here. Jesus said the greatest commandment he gives us too is loving God and loving people. But watch this. When we only choose to love God, this sounds herit, like a herit, this sounds bad, but listen to me. When we only choose to love God, we go real wrong. Hear me out before you start running. Listen, if our loyalty is only to love God, if our love for Him does not compel us or lead us to love others, to do life together, then our faith becomes warped. And unfortunately, history is filled with examples of this. Many of the monks in the Middle Ages... They had a devotion to God, a devotion to Christ. They, they wanted to love God so much that they separated themselves from their fellow men. And they took vows of chastity, vows of silence. And they lived alone, separate from people. And they wore the hoods. And they were, everything was quiet and everything was private. And while that might seem devoted, committed, it might seem holy, it's actually selfish. 
Uh-oh. This says, it says, this walk is for me. My Christian walk is private. My relationship with God is private. This is about me, and I'm separated, and I'm not. And you, it, it makes me look holy because, oh, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not, I have a vow of celibacy. I'm not having, well, look, I say, right? Um, and so I might look really holy. I'm actually really selfish. That's not how the word calls us to live. The heresy hunters of the Spanish Inquisition, they had a loyalty to Christ and they, it made them persecute people. They were the opposite of the monks. They, were pers- they would go into cities and groups of people and, and by, by spear and knife point, they would threaten them to become Christians or torture them. That's not, that's not doing life together. That's not what the word says. How about the Pharisees of Jesus' day? They had a loyalty to God they were so, so committed to God. They had such a love for God. It made them lifeless. It made them cruel. And it made them prejudiced. Do you know that racism today, we could, when we only love God, we can love God and be racist. Why do you think all, this, all those hate groups, all the racist groups, they, they follow the Bible, don't they? A part of it. But they're not doing life. You can love God. When your love for God doesn't cause you to love people, it goes warped. You can say, I love God, but I hate Hispanics. And I hate African Americans, and I hate Italians, and I hate, but I love God. It becomes really, really warped when we only love God. We don't allow God to love others through us, and our faith becomes nothing but empty hypocrisy. Amen. Listen, if there's something the church in in this day and age has to get right is that we're members of one another. That we've been equipped to be a a part of something. We get to be a part of something. We get to be uh, uh, instruments of rescue. We get to be light in the darkness. We get to be salt, the seasoning of this world. We get to be a blessing, amen, to be blessed. Somewhere at some time, American churchianity strayed from the course. We might have started right. We might have had good intentions with right hearts, but somewhere along the line, maybe we got hurt. I see this a lot in in church life. Maybe we got hurt. Maybe we got disillusioned somewhere in our Christian walk. Let me tell you a true story. When I first started in church, when I first got saved and started going to a church, and so worship was brand new to me, there was a, this place had a, had, a, had a big piano, and there was a worship leader that would sit at the big, you know, the big piano, not the electronic joints. And he would sit at the big, and this guy would lead worship, and man, he sang so tenderly, so passionately. To me, he loved God so much, he would always bring me. I was literally in awe of this worship leader. I was amazed to just... To just be in his presence and just to watch. And then you know what happened? One day I met him off the platform. Shattered. I said, but but this is the guy that, and I met him on the floor. I met him off the platform. And let's just say, wasn't the nicest person. And kind of blew me off, and and I was nothing, and and I was my I understand hurt, I understand disillusion, amen. Maybe somebody let us down somewhere along uh, along our walk. Hopefully it wasn't in this church, but if it was, I'm sorry. 
Just know that we're all imperfect people, amen? And maybe that's made us pull back from doing life together, from really going in. Because obviously, listen, obviously something has stopped you from being the ecclesia. And I'm talking to everybody here. Obviously something has stopped you. Listen, I had a a pastor at one point that had such a heart for evangelism. He had such a heart for the lost. He would amaze me. I, I, I couldn't go anywhere with this man without somebody at some point breaking down crying and accepting the Lord. No, I mean, nowhere. Every time I had to meet him to take a trip, I knew somebody's getting saved today. It was on the train. It was, I remember one time at, a, at an enterprise car rental. Dead serious. The lady started, she just started crying. God just started breaking her heart. He just, there was just something about him. You know, when you, when the spirit of God, when you're power filled and you're walking in it and you know it, it it affects people. And so the lady at Enterprise starts crying and, and she's like, oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble. This is like my first week on the job. And, and, and so he said, okay, so listen, listen, just pretend you're typing and I'm just going to talk to you. And I'm standing there like, oh my God. And, and this lady's crying. She's, you know, and, and she's, and she's, he said, just pretend you're typing. Listen, do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know that Jesus died? Do you know that he, and then she just started dropping words of wisdom and insight into her life. And she's trying to contain it. She got saved as she was giving him a car rental. And, and this man had that kind of heart and this kind of, we were on a train one time. And, and um, there, was, there was a really big, like a guy big like Adam. I remember him being like a big, big guy like Adam. And, and all of a sudden, um, we, I'm standing there and, and my pastor was a little guy, right, a little Italian guy. And all of a sudden, he talks to a big guy like Adam and he said, are you looking at me? And I said, oh my God, I'm dead. I, I'm going to have to fight because he's not going to fight. I'm going to have to fight. This guy's going to kill me. He's a big guy. And he said, are you looking at me? And the guy starts weeping. Big Adam starts crying. And it was he had noticed the Bible in his hand. What do we do? Next stop, we're off the train. We're crying and praying on the train station. This guy's giving his heart to the Lord. I mean, amazing. Amazing. But I was also really hurt by him. I was also really hurt by him. And a lot of us were. And I remember to this day the advice that I was given that came from a place of hurt, I understood that his pain came from a place of hurt from him, for him. And so I understand. See, if we're not careful, the abusers become abusers, right? And so I understand the, the hurt, but I remember the advice that I was given that came from a place. He told me, don't make friends in church. He was, this is a pastor to a pastor in training telling me, don't. Don't make friends in church. Those people won't be your friends. They'll hurt you. And so he's basically telling me, don't do life with people. Have friends outside. Friends that you can trust outside. But in the church, don't do life with people. And, and, and family, while I understand where he was coming from, and I understand through my own hurts and betrayals, believe me, 13 years Starting this 13 years in this church, there's been hurts and betrayals. So I understand that, but that's so far from what I see in Scripture. 
American churchianity has created buildings full of regular attenders. You know what a regular attender is, right? You know when we hand out a card and we put, are you a member, are you a visitor, or are you a regular attender? A regular attender is not a thing. There's no such thing in the kingdom as a regular attender. That means, you know what a regular attender means? That means you like something here. People tell us all the time, oh, it's the worship team, that's why we stay. It's the children's ministry, that's why we're here. It's the preaching, very few people, that's why we're here. But, but that just means something here entertains you until it doesn't. And then you'll be a regular attender someplace else. That's not church. Can I encourage you today to stop regular attending? That's like we're just living together. Put a ring on it, church. And here's what I can promise you as, as, as the founding pastor here. You can try something here and fail miserably and still be a part. We've had ministries open and close. We've had ideas get started. Wow, this is the best thing. We're going to do this. And then we realized that was a fail. Epic fail. Shut it down. But you know what? We don't throw people out. That was an epic fail, bro. That didn't work, brother. But... I bet there's something in you still that God, we're going to use that gift. You, you, you understand? You can fail here and still, that's risking church. You can be fully known and, and still be fully loved. Amen? You have been gifted. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. If God brought you here, it's not to regular attend. It's to put that piece of the gift that you have together with those pieces that are already in operation here until we fill the beautiful puzzle. That means you have something that's needed here. Listen, this past week the team created these forms and they, and they put them on the internet. They didn't even know I was going to be talking about this today. And so I told them later on in the week, I said, print those forms because I want them on a Sunday. Right now I'm going to have the ushers to, to get those forms. The forms were for the website. They were like, hey, you want to serve? You want to, you want to, is there a, a place you fit in? And that's all beautiful and lovely and that's great. Every website should have that. But come on. It's time you asked yourselves today, this August, this year, where do I fit in? And it's time for you to find that out. Amen. So go ahead, you guys can pass those out. Because listen, because spectators and regular attenders are never part of the team. How many of you love sports? And some of you got jerseys on for your team. You know that team has, you know they'll make decisions without you, right? I know you guys don't think that. I hear sports people talking at my job all, all day. I hear it all day. Listen, man, all we need to do is if we trade this defensive end and if we pick up this, if we do this, then we got it. If we just tighten up our end. And I'm thinking, like, you don't work for this team. What are you talking about? You have no say 
in what the Yankees do or what this football team does. You have no say. You're a spectator. You're a fan. Don't be fans of this church. Ay, ay, ay. Not tomorrow. There'll be 16 people here. That's it. But you know what? We'll do life with 16 people. Amen? Spectators can't call shots. They don't earn rewards. They can't score points. They can't win. So we're handing these out, and we're going to pray together. Worship team, come on. You guys can come up. I think some of you are ready to join this team. Not as a fan, but as a member. And we can work that out. Well, what's the membership class? Well, so, you know, we don't get real crazy about that. We don't, I didn't see that in the scriptures. I'm not going to do that here. It's like a handshake. You shake my hand, you remember. No. But I think some of you are ready to, to do life together in Christ. Amen? So let's stand for a minute. I want you to look at all the areas in that form. This, this, um, this building is, a, is a, a, a tough place to keep clean. Would you imagine? You imagine a couple hundred people using the bathrooms? You imagine uh, a couple hundred people where we don't have all these rules where, you know, you go to some church and you say, oh, you better spit out your gum, you can't drink, you can't eat coffee, you can't chew. You come in here and you get coffee for free sometimes. You'll sit right in front eating a sandwich in front of me while I'm preaching. And I got no problem with that. I've had people come in and tell me, you know, that's out of order. People shouldn't eat in the sanctuary. I say, show me in the scripture where that's out of order. Show me. Show me. Okay, while you do that, I'll go regular build the church, okay? There's things that matter and there's things that don't matter. We're not going to focus on the things that don't matter. But what I was saying is, it takes a lot of work to keep this place clean. Right now, one guy, I, I, I had a team of maybe two, cleaned the entire church. And now we have the other side. Offices, bathrooms, classrooms. One person, two people, clean the entire place. I need help on that cleaning team. I hope I don't have to ask that again. I hope that some of you will say, you know what? I don't know where my gifting is right now, but I can push a broom. I can wipe down something. I mean, you know, you don't need a whole lot of anointing to do that. And that's where I started. I cleaned the bathrooms in, in, when I started in ministry. And then from there, I worked with the nursery kids. And I would be kicked on and spit and thrown up on. And I said, this is not my call in ministry. This is not what I'm called to do. And then from there, I worked with the Royal Rangers. The Royal Rangers are a group of, of um, the, the young boys before they get to. And so I thought, you know, I had been a Boy Scout growing up. I thought, this is definitely where I fit in. I'm good. I'm good. Right? And at that point, I, had a, I remember I had, a, I had an earring back then. And so I showed up to the first thing, and I'm there. And, like, and, and one of the little kids, little smart mouth from the project, I thought you was a Christian, but you got an earring? I thought you was a Christian. Why are you doing here? And just rocked my ministry right away. I said, this is not what I'm called to do either. <laughs> this is not me. And then it wasn't until one time, my wife had already joined the, the, the youth ministry. And she went away to a convention that they go to every year. 
And she said, we need male chaperones. And I said, heck to the no, no way. She said, we need male chaperones. I said, fine. I'll go up after work. I head up. I got up there. One kid had tried to kill themselves. There was a demonic possession. One kid got demonic possessed on the bus, on the van, and chased all the other kids out. Nobody else to deal with it but me. And when I sat there at one of these conventions, I was dead because I didn't sleep the whole night because I got to watch the kids from leaving their hotel rooms to hook up. Dangerous. And one night I'm sitting at, at, at the thing. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And somebody comes across from all the way. There's thousands of teenagers there. Somebody comes across and tells me, listen, you know, and starts blessing my youth ministry. And I say, bro, stop. I'm not blessed in no youth ministry. I'm here helping my wife. I don't want nothing to do with it. I can't wait to get home and get away from these kids. I did youth ministry for 15 years from that time on. Right? Pastor Mark was one of my youth. My assistant pastor right now. And I have other youth that are here that come through. And it's amazing, and it blows me away. What I'm saying is, you might not know where your calling is. You might not know where you fit in. You say, I don't know if I, I can this, I can do that. Start someplace. Ask God for a little anointing to do a little thing. And in that, let God direct you and lead you. But stop being a regular attender. Amen? Or go regular attend someplace where that's welcome. I want there to be a church here. Doing life. Where maybe at one point we'll have to shut down a Sunday because we're all going on a cruise together. That'd be kind of cool. Let it be said of us, Acts 2, 46, and day by day, attending the sanctuary together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Father, we just thank you, God. Right now, Lord, I just pray that you've already been stirring people's hearts. And I pray that you're, I know that you've been, you've been ahead of this since before I caught up. So, Father, I know that you're in this, and I just ask right now that you would allow the puzzle pieces to fall into place, Lord. For those that know exactly where they belong, Father, let them have the boldness and the openness to, to make a step and to put it on the form, to put their name in their email so we can reach out to them, so we can get into these discussions and we can do the trainings that we have to do if we need to and do the, the, the meetings and, and do the things to get this thing going the way it should be going, Father. We just ask you right now to fill people with wisdom, with boldness, and with courage, Lord. Father, help everyone here understand that they're power-filled people. And if there's someone here today that hasn't, had the Spirit of God in them that hasn't believed, that hasn't made a, a step of faith. If that's you, I'm going to ask our ministers to come to the front. And, and um, if you need to come and meet with them, and if you need to come and just make that decision today, you can do that right here with those 
prayer team or the ministers that are here in the front. And for the rest of us, man, look at that sheet. Do what you got to do. Ask God. Pray in the next couple of moments as we worship together. Let's do this thing. Amen. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That we would bring you glory and that you would add those that are being saved. Amen.
majestic. We say majestic. Yeah. 
Father, we stand here, Lord, hearing your word, oh God, understanding your calling, understanding your initial purpose, and your purpose never changes, oh God. Your plan never changes, Lord. Your promises never change, oh God. And Father, you brought us together, Father, not only for yourself, but for each other, oh God. I believe that was your original plan when you created man, Lord, that we would do life, live out life together, oh God. But somewhere, Father, we lost sight of that through the introduction of sin, Father. It might have made our hearts cold, Father, but Lord, there's something about knowing you. Things change, oh God. And if we truly say we love you and we believe in you, then that wall breaks, oh God. And we allow each other in, oh God, because your purpose is not to build individuals, but Lord, you are building a church without spot and blemish, oh God. You are returning for a church, oh God. And your plans haven't changed, Lord. You haven't modified anything but your word is still your word, oh God. And you say, I am coming back for a church of people that love me and love each other. So Father, forgive us if we have not been moving in that manner. Forgive us if we've offended you. Forgive us if we've offended each other, Lord. Forgive us for the walls that we put up, Father. Forgive us for the expectations that we have on each other, Lord, that we know that we make we can't even meet father forgive us lord and i pray lord that you would just have your way in our lives lord lord that that the true meaning of fellowship with, that we have with you would extend to one another lord so father from this day forward we won't get it right father but that's why we have you to remind us of what you've called us to do and who you called us to be lord so, Father, today is a new day. You've given us breath in our lungs to move forward in a new day and in a new way, Lord. So as we love you, you call us to love one another. So I love you as I love my Father in heaven. And I might not be perfect. There's going to be times where I might let you down. But I pray that you love me still. That's the word of God right there. That's God's heart. But let me tell you one thing, and I want to end with this note. I'll let you down. He will never let you down. You can bank on that. You are blessed to be a blessing. Have a wonderful week, family. God bless you.